Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about all or nothing thinking that black and white thinking that many of our kids with anxiety and OCD tend to have. Other kids have it as well, but I think anxious kids and kids with OCD tend to have this very all or nothing attitude. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like. And then I have four tips that I want to share with you on how do you deal with a kid like that? Because it can get overwhelming and it can get kind of annoying (laughs) when you have a kid who's super negative after a lot of good things have happened. So we'll talk about that. This came, uh, this topic came as a request in my private Facebook group. I really get a lot of my ideas on topics to cover in my YouTube videos for kids and my podcast episodes, mainly through that private group, because that is where most of you are. And if you're not there, go join it. It's facebook.com. Do you want to hear something really embarrassing? I feel like for the past 78 episodes, I have been saying facebook.com backslash. <laughs> and then I realized everybody else says forward slash. <laughs> it's just one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, I think I've been saying it wrong like forever. And it's like recorded in a zillion places. So I can't fix it. And guess what? Because I'm getting over my social anxiety. I don't care. But I just thought that was kind of funny. So facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash AT parent. Wait, I'm sorry. I can't even remember my Facebook group page now. I'm too busy thinking about the slashes. Facebookgroup.com forward slash groups, forward slash AT parenting anxious kids. Wow. That was tricky and hard to do. (laughs) So anyway, let's get into what black and white thinking is. So I I'm sure that you already know, but I'll give you some examples. So in my house, my youngest, Miss Six, she can go through super happy moods and super sad moods like within a 10-minute span, and it can get kind of exhausting. So this is the best day ever. I'm having the best day. And then 10 minutes later, this is the worst day ever. I'm having the worst day. Or you hate me. Or nobody likes me. I have no friends. Or we never do anything fun. Or everything is so hard. I always get things wrong. Are these starting to sound familiar? So yeah, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Just in case you're wondering, that's what we're talking about. So let's talk about the four tips. First tip is you want to not spoon feed your child optimism. Say what? Why would she say that? Because we do that all too often with our kids in general who are anxious or have OCD. We spoon feed them solutions because they are in such distress, but we're not giving them coping mechanisms. And I've learned as a therapist, when I give people advice directly, because I'll be like, oh, your problem's this? Well, then you just need to do that. And even when I did that with my own 14-year-old, oh, you have this social problem? All you need to do to make that better is do this because it's true. Like I know, (laughs) but they don't listen. Do you have that at home where like you give this phenomenal advice and your kids don't listen and they don't listen because we're spoon feeding it to them. 
people in general, and I don't even know if this is statistically accurate, but I'm going to just go ahead and make it sound very statistically accurate because I think it is. But antidotally, people who come up with their own solutions tend to follow their solutions, where when people are spoon-fed solutions, they tend to not listen. Do you find that true at your house as well? So we want to permanently try to change our children's perspectives and not spoon feed them optimism. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're having a great day and you went out to eat. Maybe you and your kids caught a movie and then you're coming home and your child wants to stay up a little bit longer and maybe play on their computer or watch a movie. And you say, no, I'm sorry. It's time to go to bed. And then your child is like, this is the worst day ever. You are the worst mom ever. You're the worst dad ever. Okay. Now you might have a bazillion different examples that are not related to that. They might be more serious stuff and we'll get into that, but I just want to give you a flavor of what that sounds like and how to interact with your kids. So if my child is saying that, I could quickly go into defensive mommy mode, which I have been known to do. And I can say, are you kidding me? We went out to eat. We went to a restaurant. Um, no, that's, that's the same exact thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What's wrong with me today? I need more coffee. We went out to eat. We went to the movies. Um, we did all these fun things today. And now just because you can't watch your movie, you're having the worst day ever. Now I have been known to speak exactly like that to my kids, but it's not helpful. So if I was patient and I really wanted to teach and not lecture, and I wanted to build lifelong skills and I had more patience than I typically do, I would respond in this way. I would walk them through it. And so I would say, what did we do this morning? And not in like in a sarcastic sort of way, like, what did we do this morning? I would just be like, well, let's go through your day. So how are you feeling when we went out to eat and do it without sarcasm? And so then maybe your kid will say, and I'll just use my kids because I know how they would respond. You know, so my six-year-old, she's a nice kid. And she might say, um, it was okay. Depending on her mood, if she's in a really sour mood, I might not get like normal responses, but let's just pretend she's in a normal mood. So I'd say, um, did you order something that you liked? Yeah. They had your mac and cheese. You love the mac and cheese there. We went to Panera Bread, her favorite place. So was that fun? Yeah. Did you have fun at the movies? Yeah. I know you've been wanting to go see that movie for a really long time. I was so happy that we were able to finally see it. And it was kind of cool that I got you popcorn. Did you have fun at the movies? Yeah. But I want to stay up and I want to watch this. I know. I know that that's what you want. But I'm just wondering how... Panera bread one. Did you like that? (laughs) It's not a commercial for Panera bread, but it's her favorite place. Um, did you really enjoy the movie? So I'm going over it and I'm really trying to hardwire her positive experiences. And then I'd go back to, I know it's a bummer that you can't stay up any longer. And I know you want to play that game or you want to watch that show, but it's time to go to bed. Now they are still probably going to argue with you that it's the worst day ever, but you just gave them some perspective because a lot of these kids are not necessarily trying to be negative. They just have an all or nothing mentality and they have tunnel vision. So they only see what is in front of them unless it's about their anxiety. And then, you know, they don't have tunnel vision. It's all about what already happened and what could happen, but not about what is happening. 
But, you know, anxiety never works for us. It works against us. So when it comes to good things and bad things, we don't have the ability to look around and say, oh, well, you know what? I had like a pretty good day. Sometimes I'll do like a little pie chart with my kids and I'll say, so what percentage of your day do you think was miserable? Was it like 100%? Now I do this after I already reviewed all the happy things that happened that day. Um, You have to have a lot of patience for this. And I'll totally be honest. A lot of what I tell you, I don't have the patience to do all of the time. And so like the families in my practice, I'll say, look, if you could even do this stuff 30, 40% of the time, not even half 30 to 40% of the time, you are being an awesome parent (laughs) because it's just hard to be like this perfect, wonderful Mary Poppins parent all the time. Like we all are impatient and we're tired and we're, we want to go to bed or we want to just get out and get to the car. But it's nice to at least know when you are calm and patient, what would be a great way to respond. So I'm saying that because I know I don't do this all the time, but then going back to what I was saying, so you'd want to review it and then you'd say, so it wasn't a hundred percent miserable. And if they do say, yeah, it was a hundred percent miserable. You said, well, wait a minute. Can't be a hundred percent because you said you liked going out to eat and you liked the movies. So could it be 50%? Yeah, it's 50%. Well, well, we went out to eat and we went to the movies and now we're here. So that doesn't sound like it's half and half. Okay. Well, it's one third. So you, you're giving them some really good concrete ways to have some perspective. So that's one tip. A second tip that I want to talk about is the importance of teaching kids contrast. I talk a lot about this. Well, I talk a lot about this with my husband, just in my own life. This is good. These are good tips for you too, because a lot of us as parents can be all or nothing black and white thinkers too, especially when it comes to parenting kids with anxiety and OCD, right? It can feel very, very dark when we're having rough days. And then it's wonderful when our kids are doing something that they couldn't do before. So I will talk to my husband a lot about contrast and we'll say, you know, and I'll talk to my kids about it. (laughs) That's kind of the main point of this podcast, but I'll talk to my kids about it too. And I'll say, you have to know what's bad in order to really appreciate the good. If you always got ice cream every single day, When you got ice cream, it wouldn't taste great anymore. (laughs) Or maybe it would, I don't know. Because you get it every day. And so the novelty is gone. When you have perfect days every single day, or you get everything right all the time, then you won't know what it feels like to have a great accomplishment. So contrast is great. I'll give you an example of my own contrast. So today is the first day that my kids went back to school. And I feel really guilty that like, I literally did a happy dance all the way home (laughs) because it's contrast. Like when my kids were in school, I felt like I never had enough time to, to do my work. I actually have quite a full plate, probably too full because I have my private practice. And then I have my podcast and my YouTube channel and my online world and my online classes. And, um, and so I'm stretched pretty, pretty thin, but when my kids were in school, I felt like, oh my gosh, I just don't have time to do anything, let alone like clean my house and do anything for myself. And then summer came and I literally had no time. I had no time without kids. And now they're back at school and it's contrast. It's like, oh my gosh, I have plenty of time. I got home and I was like, I have six hours to work on my podcast and my website 
in my Facebook group, I was like, I have time today. But, you know, a few months ago when school was in session, I thought I had no time. So contrast is really important. So you can point that out to your kids when they get an all or nothing kind of view on life. Up next, I'm going to talk to you about my last two tips to help you survive black and white thinking. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Okay, welcome back. So my last two tips, I want to talk to you about how to deal with your own moods when it comes to having kids who have kind of all or nothing thinking. And I want to talk about that, even though that might seem unrelated and you might think, well, I want to figure out how to fix my kid. Well, actually, that's why I made this tip number three, because that perspective can be a little bit wrong. There are some kids that are just wired to be more negative than other kids. And there are kids, especially our kids, who hit bumps a lot harder than that average kid. They fall down and scrape their knee. They're going to be talking about it for days. Other kids fall down and scrape their knees. They get back up and they move on. So we have kids that get stuck in general. And so they're going to have a harder time with their perspective. Now, not every kid with anxiety or OCD tends to be a black and white thinker or an all or nothing thinker. Um, but many of us have a few of those, you know? So I have, I would have to say like each of my kids have their own rendition of negativity (laughs) and it's kind of annoying because, because I have three of them. There's always at least one negative person in the crew. And I am anxious by nature and I've worked really, really hard on it, but I'm still like, I'm still wired to be an anxious person. And it's a, it's a struggle every day to make sure that my anxiety is not beating me and that it's 99% squashed. But one of the things I noticed about my own personality, and maybe you notice this about yourself as well, and maybe not, but (laughs) maybe that moods are contagious. And so if you happen to be a sensitive adult, a sensitive parent, which many of us are because our kids come by all this naturally, then when they're not happy, you're not happy. And I have that going on, not in a very like codependent sort of way. Like I live through my kids and if they're not happy, then I can't be happy. It's really not like that for me. It might be like that for maybe some of you, but it's more about, I want everyone to really enjoy whatever I set up or whatever I planned. And I can't be happy if there's anyone complaining. It's like they, they are impacting my happiness, <laughs> which kind of sounds selfish, but it's just honest. Like, so I'll give you an example. We just went to Portland. We took a family vacation to Portland just for a few days. First time we were there. And I am such a planner as part of my anxious personality. Like I, I plan out and I map everything about where we're going, what we're going to be doing, um, And I I try to make like every day jam packed with fun. And I particularly made this trip cater towards my Mr. Eight because he's been having a really, really hard time lately. 
it's been a really rough couple of months, maybe a couple of like maybe two months. And I mean, super, super rough. And he went on some medication and it didn't work out and it really activated him or I don't know what happened, but he's been impulsive and aggressive and it has not been fun here. And that's part, partly probably why I did my happy dance today on my way home from dropping them off at a beautiful school that they're going to stay at for like seven hours. <laughs> I enjoy my kids when I'm not stressed, you know? So, um, anyway, so I planned this vacation for him and they were all the activities were based on what he likes. We were going to the science museum. We were going to go to a Creek because he loves nature. He loves rocks and he loves snails. I've talked about this before. He loves snails and slugs. He gets very obsessive. He, he doesn't have autism, but you would think he does by the way I describe him. He's just very obsessive. So I thought he would love it. So we get to this Creek and it was, um, quite the hike. <laughs> so in Oregon, they have these waterfalls and they have these like swimming holes and I found a swimming hole called Opal Creek and it's like blue, like Caribbean blue water, beautiful. And it wasn't that bad of a hike. It said it was about a two mile hike. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, my Miss Six and my Mr. Eight can totally handle that. So we finally get down there and then like you have to hike down this like very steep cliff and there are no snails and the water is really cold. And he went into the water and then my husband mentioned that there were some trout like swimming by us and he, he didn't admit it, but he freaked out and he would not go back in the water. And he just said it was because it was cold, but I knew he's not very expressive and I'm really working on getting him to communicate his anxieties in the moment. He's getting really good at communicating it after the moment, but it's a work in progress. And so he was miserable. You know, where are the snails? You promised me snails. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, he was ruining my mojo because I was like super excited to be at the swimming hole that like we had hiked a zillion miles to get to. Well, it was only three, but it felt like forever. And he was miserable. He didn't want to go in the water and he was like kind of complaining and he was just ruining this peaceful, serene moment. And then finally I realized there's a, there's a point to this long story, but I realized that I can't control his happiness and I can't spend all of my energy spinning in circles, trying to get him to, to be copacetic with the situation. I mean, I initially tried, I said, I'm so sorry. There are no snails or slugs. I did not know. Never been to Portland. I kind of assumed that there might be by the water. I'm sorry. You know, it wasn't planned. I can't put slugs here. So I tried you know, to, to get him to see what was going on. But then after a while he was going to be stuck and he was going to be stuck no matter what. So in the moment when your kids are kind of in that all or nothing and you're doing something that you're trying to enjoy, it is really important to recognize. And I'm saying this to myself as well, that we're not responsible for our kids long-term ongoing forever happiness, you know, in moments they're going to be miserable and that shouldn't have to impact your mood and your happiness. And I think for some of us, that might be easy to kind of separate out and compartmentalize. Okay. He's miserable over here, but I'm going to still enjoy. And for others, it, it's not natural. And for me, I know it's not natural because I want everyone to love whatever I planned. And I want everyone to be super happy, especially on vacations. I get very hung up on everyone's mood. You know, like, is my husband happy? Is he, is he too annoyed with the kids? Am I happy? Are my kids having a good time? And I, I'm so focused on everyone's happiness that I'm not really enjoying the moment. 
which is not good, you know, because then inevitably somebody's not happy. Somebody's a negative black and white thinker. So I had to purposely in that moment say, look, I talked to myself. I was quiet though. (laughs) I said, Natasha, you've been wanting to go to the swimming hole forever. And it is as beautiful as TripAdvisor said it would be. (laughs) And you are um, in paradise and you worked really hard to get here. It was a big hike and don't lose the moment because everyone's going to want to leave in a little while because nobody was like getting into the water. And my, um, my daughter was complaining about the bugs and she was freaking out. My little one missed six and my husband wasn't really into the water. And so I was like, I'm on borrowed time here. Nobody's going to want to stay here that long. And this is like, seriously, one of the top five coolest places I've ever been. So in that moment, I made a decision. I'm getting in the water and I'm going to just enjoy myself and I'm going to tune everybody out and I'm going to just really soak it up. And so for me, I had to forcefully separate myself from my little black and white thinker in that moment and just really enjoy the moment because we can't always change our kids' perspectives. My Miss 14, she's super negative too. I mean, like she always, the, the cup is half empty almost all the time with her. And I point that out. We have bigger conversations because she's older. And I talk to her about, um, you know, if you're going to view everything as half, half empty, life is going to be really rough. And it's, it's not like you have to soak up the happiness, but you can only do so much. So my last tip, because I went on a little bit of a tangent on that one, but my last tip is if you have a child who really has a hard time grasping when they were happy or when they did have a success or when they did something really great or whatever the black and white thinking tends to be for them, there are a couple of things that you can do. One, I'd really do like gratitude journals. Um, not every kid's a writer though. And so you really have to find your kid's language, whether it's through art or words or video or none of those, (laughs) but you want to find your child's way, natural way of expressing themselves. Don't force things on them, but gratitude journals are really cool. You know, pick one thing that you're grateful for and write it down your journal before you go to bed that can help overall perspective. Um, and then they can read their gratitude journal when they're having a rough time. You know, if they say I'm never happy or I hate my life, you could just be like, you know, I know sometimes it can feel that way. Like always empathize with your kids and don't go in there and and negate what they're saying. Yeah, it can feel that way. I feel, and I always use myself with my kids. I always say like, I have felt that way. And, and that really helps because even last night, my son was having a hard time going to bed and, Unfortunately, Mr. Eight watched all of the Harry Potter this summer, which I thought was going to be okay, but apparently it's not. So he kept telling me, it's fine, mom. I'm, I'm ready for this. He wasn't. So last night he was having a hard time sleeping. And because I use myself as an example so much and I was getting annoyed with him, I'm like, go to bed. He came out and he said, mom, haven't, weren't you scared like this sometimes when you were a kid? You know, didn't you have these feelings? <laughs> it kind of made me feel bad, but it was a very mature thing to say because I use myself as an example all the time. So you want to empathize with your kids and you want to say, look, I know sometimes I can view life like that. Sometimes it can feel like nothing good has happened. And that's why gratitude journals are so cool because you, when you're having these feelings, you know, go find a quiet spot and read your gratitude journal. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you focus on things that are good. So that's one option. Um, There are other things you can do for kids who aren't into writing that you can have them draw things or you can have them record. I I use that a lot in my practice. I will have kids record 
things that like happy moments or things that they did really well. So they can watch like a montage video when they're feeling bad. So that's an option as well. So you definitely want to find some way to record and capture happy moments. Um, one thing that we do as a family, although we haven't been doing it a lot, I make these great things and then I'm not really good at like maintaining them. (laughs) Is, Is that your struggle too? It's like, you can have all these great ideas, but it doesn't work out. Anyway, we have New Year's Eve buckets. So each one of us, except my husband, because he doesn't like to participate in my funky things. So we have these buckets and everyone has a bucket with our name on it. They're cute. And I keep them in my living room because they look pretty. And so it looks like decoration in my living room. And each kid has a different sticky, um, sticky pad color. And so there's, um, you know, we just have like pink and yellow and orange. So we each have our own color. And then whenever something good happens, throughout our day or our week or our month, we write it down and we put it in this bucket. I think I saw this idea on Pinterest to be totally honest. And so new year's Eve or no, it's new year's day because we don't really do much on new year's day. Our tradition now for the last two years has been to take our buckets and we get popcorn and we go through and we read all the happy things that happened to us all year. That is really good also for black and white thinkers because you can save those and you can read them when you need to, or just to change perspective in general. So I hope those four tips were helpful in giving you kind of a different view on how to approach that issue in your own home. And remember, you can't change the way your kids think, only they can. Don't let it impact the way that you feel. (laughs) Easier said than done. Okay. I hope you're enjoying my podcast. And if you are, can you please hit a star in iTunes to show your support and rate the show? If you're feeling really giving, if you can leave a comment either on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast, I really appreciate that. And I'd like to end the show always with a comment that was left. There were a couple of really nice ones. So I'll read one today. Freddie said, I've been listening to this podcast. Oh, by the way, it feels really awkward reading these, (laughs) but I want to read them because I want to tell people that I appreciate them leaving comments. So I'm not being conceited when I read these, but, um, she wrote or he wrote, I've been listening to this podcast for a year now, and I look forward to it every week. Natasha Daniels is a gem. Not only is she extremely knowledgeable about anxiety and OCD in a world where OCD in particular is rarely talked about, but her weekly topics are relevant and brought to us in a funny, engaging way. Who knew that the same things that bring us parents to tears some nights would also make us laugh so much on the way to work in the morning. And if podcasts aren't enough, Natasha, for your family, your kids might also enjoy her YouTube videos made especially for kids on how to crush anxiety and OCD. My nine-year-old who keeps her feelings inside and refuses to talk to therapists is almost as big a fan as I am. Natasha, you are a treasure. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I like that you think I'm funny (laughs) and I like that your nine-year-olds will watch my YouTube videos, even if she won't go to a therapist. I mean, that is the whole purpose, um, of all my work is to reach the people and kids who are, who are not getting treatment or help or support. You know, it's sometimes help and support is inaccessible because you can't find the right therapist or kids won't go to a therapist, or maybe you live in a rural area or you can't afford therapy. And so that is the whole idea of all the stuff I'm putting out there. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.